0: They're us. That's all. It's something my granddaddy used to tell us. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.
1: Welcome to Zombie World for September 15th, 2023. This here is the place where we talk about all things zombie. Movies, TV, books, comics, cosplay, decorations, and zombie culture. In our own little digest of the living dead, straight from the mystical dimension of our own devising, where all the zombie apocalypses are true.
2: Listen, you can hear them right outside.
1: I'm Brad Munson.
2: And I'm Samantha Luck.
1: And here in the middle of September, we're talking about a director for George Romero's Twilight of the Living Dead, an ultimate zombie competition and winner at ScareHouse, the incredible haunted house attraction in Pittsburgh, a prequel to Stephen King's Pet Cemetery coming in October, a nice little chat about the first episode of Daryl Dixon as we learn more about the European version of The Walking Dead.
2: So let's start with a few delicious quick bites before they start to smell.
1: So, A little while back, we talked about Twilight of the Dead, a new movie resurrected from a long-ago treatment that George A. Romero, the father of Night of the Living Dead and by proxy all that has shambled forth since, wrote before his death more than five years ago. At the time, we weren't really sure if this project, which has been rumored on and off for years, would actually come to pass. But writers and actors' strikes aside, this is looking more and more like an actual Go project especially now that the producers have announced a director, Brad Anderson, a real live professional with credits like The Machinist, starring Christian Bale, and The Call, starring Halle Berry, not to mention Session 9, starring Miami Vice and CSI Miami's David Caruso, a specialist in whipping off his sunglasses and saying ominous things. Whatever, a real live director with credits. And The Hollywood Reporter even quoted Anderson about the project. A Night of the Living Dead may have been the first real horror movie I ever saw, Anderson said, and its shock value, its keen social relevance, and even the means by which it was made were all hugely inspirational to me. This, too, is a zombie movie in which limbs fly and heads roll, but one that is also about social transformation, one that asks the question, what is it to be human? It is also a movie with heart and, dare I say, hope, end quote. Yeah, well, the hope part is kind of the opposite of the standard zombie apocalypse trope. And from what we've heard about the project already, that it's the story of the last few surviving humans on Earth, all on an island infested with the undead, it looks like a little bit of a stretch, but whatevs. There's still talk that it'll begin filming sometime this year in Puerto Rico, far from the labor disputes. And hey, if all those Walking Dead spin-offs can get special dispensation from the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, anything is possible. Anyway, as they say in the real news outlets, more as this story develops. Cat, cat, come in for a second. Come in. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> Look at this. I just got this news. Look at this. It looks like there's going to be a new movie based in Pet Cemetery, but it's going to be a prequel. To the books and the movies that are out there.
3: Shut the fuck up. Are you serious?
1: No, look, look at this thing.
3: Oh my God, this is, Brad, I thought you were totally like just printing out a paper to get me all excited and wet for nothing, but I'm very excited <laughs> and wet. Now talk about it more. Please, please tell me everything.
1: <laughs> well, so there's a little bit about it. It's called Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, and it's a prequel to the original book and the movie that was done, but it's set like mm-hmm. 50 years before the events of the movie or the book. Ooh, we're doing yeah. Judd? It's all about a young oh. Judd Crandall. And how he dreams of escaping Ludlow and all the dark towns, evil secrets, all that other crap. So it's what happened to him that he mentions in the book We See, in the movie We See, but is actually in here.
3: Um, I am so excited for this, actually, because I always wondered, you know, when Jed sits down with Creed, and he talks about the the other people that have come back from the cemetery. So this is fucking cool, because I wonder how much that man has seen. I want to walk the hallways of his head.
1: And actually, I have the audio of that whole section where he talks about dead is better. Here, listen. Yes.
0: The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all. (laughs) <laughs> it was four or five days after Timmy's funeral Margie Washburn had seen Timmy walking up the road towards Yorkie's livery As time went by lots of folks saw Timmy walking back and forth But it was Margie who finally came to some of us men folks and said it had to be stopped She knew it was an abomination sat down and talked it out. Then we got the my car and we both made him in place. Take care of it. He's dead. He ain't One way or the other. Yeah, there's no other way. He's got a bird to him. Stop it. Kate, me I mean, stop, stop, it. stop it. Stop The place is going up. Oh. He's a monster, Bill. Get oh. yes. out. He's my son. Ah. The Indians knew that. They stopped using that burial ground. The ground went sour.
1: Sometimes that is better. So, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. It says here is going to premiere on October 6th of this year. Uh,
3: are you available for a date that night, sir? I,
1: absolutely. You and I will watch it together and talk about yes. it after. And it's going to be on Paramount Plus. It's actually going straight to streamers, so it's going to be there.
3: Perfect. Uh, then we can sit in my bed like the old days with our jammies on. <laughs> And some yeah,
1: <laughs> that's sounds People don't know this, but we used to do a podcast called The Dark Multiverse of Stephen King, where yep, we would sit did. in your bedroom and watch Stephen King movies and read Stephen King books and talk about them. I love it. But yeah, you are not only our resident bartender, but our resident Stephen King expert. So of course, oh, yeah. we're going to talk to you about this. You know, at first I read about this and I was thinking like Pet Cemetery 2 and all these other horrible things they've done. <laughs> but this actually sounds like kind of a class act. For one thing, the uh, the director is somebody I'd never heard of before, Lindsay Beer. But I had never out, heard of her either. No, well, apparently, I don't know what she's been doing up till now, but if you look at her IMDb, there's like a ton of things that are coming up for her. She's like a breakout. She is scheduled to direct the live action Bambi for Disney. What? She's doing Oh,
3: it. come on, live action Bambi. We have to watch his mom get killed like a real deer. That's I want
1: what? to see her head blow up real good. That's what I want. Uh,
3: like exp- I want to see it from five <laughs> different angles over yeah, exactly. and over again so that we're all traumatized like we were when we were children. Yes. <laughs> but she's
1: also scheduled to do a Marvel Comics movie on Silver Sable, who's a character in the Spider-Man universe. She's working on a Star Trek, one of the Star Trek movies, and she's scheduled to direct the film adaptation of The King Killer Chronicles. Patrick Rothfuss's great fantasy novel that's been around for years and has never been made before. So she's like, take it off. I did
3: not know that. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, she's that's so it's amazing. not just another knockoff piece of crap here. And then the cast that's in this thing is kind of amazing. I mean, it's got...
3: Ooh, are you going to tell me more? Yeah. I, see, I see you holding the paper at just an angle where I can't quite reach the words.
1: <laughs> so tell look, David Duchovny is in it. I, uh,
3: oh my God. He's on my list to bang. My husband knows. <laughs> uh,
1: Henry Thomas <laughs> is, is in it. Um, oh, my God. Pam Greer, you know. Uh, oh, in, in, I in love time. her. Then uh, a couple of, of folks that people might not know quite as much, but uh, Samantha Mathis.
3: Oh my god, she's been in a lot of Stephen King stuff actually. Yeah, she was she, in Under the Dome, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, she was. Even though that That
1: was a horrible piece of crap, but stopped. she was great. Yeah.
3: She was amazing, yes. And also I, like I had the biggest crush on her from Pump Up the Volume with Kristen Slater back in like the eighties. Oh my
1: god, and I forgot she was even in that. Yeah. That's yeah, her.
3: they like stuck it to the man. And then she also, when I was working retail in my like nineteens I think it was 18 or 19, uh, maybe it was 17. God knows. Time is a slippery fish. But um, <laughs> she came into the store that I was working at and was shopping. And I like was fangirling out, but like I just kind of walked by. And I said, hi, Samantha. And then I literally scurried away. Like,
1: loved I loved <laughs> interviewing. Unfortunately, because of the actor strike right now, these folks can't even do press for the movies that they are can. coming out. And that's part of the whole strike thing. You know, strike happens to end before October when this thing comes out. Maybe we can get Samantha Mathis to come talk to us. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh. She's also was in The Strain, and um, she even did an she episode. She was of...
3: in The Strain. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah.
1: And Dude, uh, Nightmares and, and Dreams. Whole... Oh my God!
3: Yes. Oh, she was yeah. really good in that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, she's done a. You know, she's got Stephen King movies at the butt. And then there's a younger woman named Natalie Allen Lind. I don't think she's done any King stuff before, but she has done zombie stuff. She was in some episodes of iZombie, and uh, she was in that otherwise not very good series called Daybreak. about oh, a, Was
3: that a series or a movie?
1: It was a series on one of the streamers oh. about a zombie outbreak and high school kids, the different factions become oh. different parts of the high school. And she's been around, too. So it's a good list. It's a good cast. Well, I am
3: totally in. I'm very excited. How could you just have walked by my office all day today, or excuse me, my bar, and just be like, da nah, da da, and just sitting on this information? I've been, Brad. I've been doing
1: this just to get you in here on Mike so I could do it. Yeah. But October 6th, oh this single God. will be available on Paramount Plus. Okay, get out of here. Get back to the bar. We got work to do.
3: Oh, yes. I have to scurry and go clean. I'm a scullery maid. I'm going to go be a bar wench. Yeah, you're we the cutest thing.
1: scullery maid we have.
3: <laughs> Thank you, my darling later later much
1: this episode of zombie world is brought to you by the gift the only online store that's all about zombies it has all the movies the tv series and specials the books and comics and all the games toys posters t-shirts hoodies costumes and souvenirs you didn't even know you wanted complete with one of a kind commentaries and suggestions for other amazing items Plus special sales and hand-picked shopping lists. And of course, there are new items being added every week. Take a look. You'll love it as much as we do. And thanks again to Zombie Gift Guide for sponsoring this episode of Zombie World. Now back to the end of the world as we know it. So Sam, there's this place in Fraser Township, Pennsylvania. It's basically downtown Pittsburgh, from what I understand, that's called Scarehouse.
2: Scarehouse.com.
1: Yeah, that's what it says. It's been around for years, and it's generally considered one of the best Halloween haunted houses, I guess, anywhere. Not just in Pennsylvania or in the East or the Midwest, but like, you know, anywhere. It's actually part of an otherwise nearly dead mall in Frasier. Ironic or what?
2: So no parking problems? The scariest part of Pittsburgh? By far.
1: It's not just a totally immersive haunted house that fills an old H&M clothing store, but It has themed escape rooms, like one where you're being stalked by a killer or expected to complete an experiment to create a clone or a room that's made entirely out of 80s horror iconography. The current one, I guess, is the Stop the Alien Invasion theme. They also have two lanes of nothing but axe throwing where you and your friends, your co-workers can go like throw axes for like two hours.
2: Oh, we have one of those, uh, like, across the street. It's a bar where you learn to throw axes.
1: Well, yeah, we're in Florida. It's, I'm surprised that they don't have a shooting range. Well, <laughs> well, they yeah. probably do.
2: There's a motorcycle track right next to it. <laughs>
1: of course there is.
2: <laughs> Dirt bike track. Right
1: next to the axe throwing sh- and then the shooting range, yeah.
2: Just on the same campground, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Moving targets and all.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, mostly, what, Democrats? <laughs> uh, Anyway, ScareHouse this year has staged an ultimate zombie competition and invited people to come in their best dead threads. They had live auditions in front of a bunch of celebrity judges. And here, look at this list of contestants and what they had to show the judges.
2: They had to look undead. They had to shamble. And they were graded on their groan and and Feeding? Feeding. <laughs>
1: Feeding. Ew. I can only imagine. Now, unfortunately, we don't have any good footage of that. They, they did have the big audition event, the big competition on late August, August 28th. And the judges, I'm happy to say, crowned one man, Jared Juice. No, wait a second. Jared, Jared Juice. As the ultimate zombie. Juice, 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 juice. <laughs> he was dressed as a doctor zombie. Uh, He started his audition by staring aimlessly at the ceiling. And then he lunged at the judges. Classic jump scare. (laughs) I started out real quiet, she said. The quiet lures them in. Clearly a well-adjusted young fellow. (laughs) So first, I really want to go to Scare House. It's just too cool. So we got to have a field trip to Pittsburgh one of these days. The second, it turns out that ScareHouse is open every day from now until early November. So anywhere near Pittsburgh, you have to go. A ticket started only 20 bucks, which compared to anywhere else is dirt, grave dirt, cheap. Mm -hmm. And you can just make a reservation or you can buy an RIP ticket as opposed to a VIP ticket. (laughs) That allows you to enter anytime and often as you want for the whole season. So that's ScareHouse.com. And if you're any place near there and you go, please tell us how it goes. I mean, you're not allowed to take pictures inside, but you could take a couple of selfies from the entrance or from the merch store. You know, they do have a whole bunch of souvenir stuff there. But anyway, Scare House sounds like a lot of fun. And congratulations to Jordan Juice.
2: (laughs) For winning the zombie competition.
1: The ultimate zombie. So... After weeks of speculation and mild anticipation, finally, The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, has finally premiered to start of this last Sunday. Now, you watched it, and I watched it, and the real question is, is it worth watching again?
2: Well, I I mean, the medieval (laughs) arsenal that the nuns were wielding was worth watching
1: again. (laughs) That's true. Let's start with an actually super (laughs) short recap of the show. So, Daryl washes up on shore in the south of France. And at first we don't really know why, meets a couple of people, finds some water, thinks he finds a couple of allies. They immediately turn on him.
2: No zombies Yeah, And no zombies (laughs) in
1: sight anywhere. We get some more background information about how basically the walkers destroyed Europe as well as they did the U.S. (laughs) and is injured again and rescued by nuns (laughs) who have a fairly extensive nunnery behind walls that they've survived. 12 years. They actually say flat out. This is 12 years since the outbreak. In there, he also meets a boy who looks to be 10 or 11. Is that your guess? Laurent, who we find out at the end, the nuns believe is the hope for the world, uh, that he will be the new Messiah, essentially, and save us all from the zombies. But he has to be taken from there up to a outpost or a safe city Uh to the north, where this prophecy will be fulfilled. And they decide that Daryl is the one that should take him.
2: A lot of religious undertones, a lot of yeah. Daryl finding God and questioning. Daryl's
1: got his own plan for some reason, also well, it's still not clear, about something to do with Rick and Michonne that brought him all the way here.
2: Yeah, that's kind of... I mean, they, they, just like Dead City, we have a, a plot driven by the presence of a child.
1: Yeah, and then ultimately, the end of the first episode is... He grudgingly agrees to take the fighting nun Mm -hmm. and the boy, North.
2: I don't know why he didn't want her. She was like, I mean, she was badass bitch. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I want her on my team.
1: Yeah, no kidding. And being pursued by a tattooed-faced dude who wants them dead. And apparently by the...
2: Pirate ship.
1: By a female pirate lady who I get...
2: (laughs) out in the middle of the harbor yeah
1: I guess the implication is that the ship that he came over on that
2: yes they knew who he was yeah yeah
1: and they're pissed at him because he had something to do with a mutiny on the board of that ship and they want to get him
2: damn it daryl daryl at it again just God. like when he was captured by negan i mean remember that <laughs> you could just chill
1: you couldn't just sit in the corner and eat hardtack until you made it yep. to France. No, you had to like lead the uh... the
2: insurgency or the mutiny. Yeah, but that sounds like typical Daryl.
1: Anyway, that's the basic story that of this first hour long episode, first of six every Sunday for the next uh, five weeks now, and we'll see it all. But given all that, yeah, one of the first things, of course, is you don't see any zombies at all, any walkers at all until. 10 minutes into the thing, and then it's half a dozen that he rather quickly does away with. In a scene that looks like it's shot in black and white, there's so little color, particularly the first part of this thing, almost until he gets to the nunnery. I really thought they would shot the damn thing in black and white.
2: It is pretty grungy and and pretty dim. And as he's walking from the beach into the uh, little like marina, he makes his way into. You only see like one mummified corpse that's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. But there are still supplies on these boats. So that makes you wonder like, okay, were there people here recently? Or was that the result of like that zombie a result of somebody passing away recently?
1: Yeah. And this is my difficulty well, we've already talked about this with Dead City, but real quickly again, is the complete lack of zombies.
2: It's the total opposite, though. I mean, in Dead City, it was they were hoarded in, into buildings, you know, like they crowd well, it, them. It, so we have to assume they're somewhere.
1: <laughs> but even then, the numbers didn't makes sense no there should have been eight million literally eight million zombies
2: and no zombies when he's washing up on the beach yeah. whereas at least in manhattan they were all floating around in the water
1: i get it that 12 years have passed but if 12 years have passed why are there still boats sitting there with a half full bottle of aquafina sitting in it
2: that, that's what i would say was somebody there
1: yeah <laughs> and <laughs> recently yeah how recently did that that little diary that he read in the boat about the guy who lost his wife and son Clearly, it couldn't have been too far in the past because 12 years, that little diary sitting on the open boat on the shore there would have dissolved.
2: With the supplies, yeah.
1: Also, the thing read as if, gee, maybe they made it through in the south of France. Like, again, 10, 12 years have passed.
2: Yeah, they were still looking for a safe place because uh, the guy, I believe, he had an Irish or a British accent, so he was coming from Europe.
1: Yeah, it was, it was English, some something up in the UK. It's just like nothing changed for the first 10, 12 years. There were no accommodations, no nothing for the most part.
2: Yeah. And then you also notice, too, that the nuns, when they get attacked by the, um, you know, the rebel group or whatever they are, that the gang, <laughs> that they are totally armed with, again, medieval weaponry. There are no guns here. And yes, it makes sense because, you know, am, ammo is limited. But at the same time, it, it becomes obvious that they are not about killing people. All of those things that they have held on to are mostly for killing the walkers. It is not intended to fight, you know, raiders or highwaymen.
1: And they don't even like killing the walkers.
2: They wanted Daryl to give him mercy when he started to run after one of the guys that had attacked them. And it was just like, well,
1: what? <laughs> yeah, and they've, they've kept their priest, uh, Père Jean. They've kept for God knows how long in that room, even though he was a full-on zombie, waiting for him to come back.
2: So there's a lot of, like, the very stereotypical belief, obviously, they're going to assume that this is temporary or an act of God and that these people will be returned to normal at some point. Which,
1: again, I could kind of understand that idea if we were two years into the apocalypse. Right,
2: but it's like... 12
1: years He's been in there for
2: 12 years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and, and have they seen any other single person come back? Maybe it's time to test that faith a little bit.
2: But, you know, it's almost like uh, Herschel with the barn full of zombies way back in season four of The Walking Dead. If they did not open up those doors... Or, or find them. How long do you think he would have kept them there?
1: Yeah, well, true. But then, too, in the timeline, that happened the first six months after the outbreak.
2: Right. So we didn't know any better.
1: It was like early COVID. We didn't know.
2: <laughs> well, right. yeah, that's true. But I mean.
1: But now, again, all this time later, it's like this is still new to them, that they haven't really made many accommodations. I found it annoying in Dead City and here as well, that there's not been any real thought about not what the world would be like six months after a worldwide outbreak, but that wouldn't be the same as 10, 12 years after the outbreak.
2: Steve, even fans of The Walking Dead, uh, if you look at the fan wiki material that's out there, I feel like everybody can agree that The Walking Dead's consistent problem, no matter what the spinoff or adaptation is, is continuity. Yeah because you, the, they picked, they tried to put together the, the plot line where it crossed over like Morgan's in fear and this had to happen and this and this. You can't. There is no consistency there. It just doesn't make sense. Exactly. So I feel like they just assume we're going to take that liberty and be like, yep, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> the chaos of the first six months, the first year, or even two years, just continues. It says there is no real, yes, now there's a commonwealth.
2: Yeah, there's collectives. <laughs> that's basically the always been the question. It's like, all right, again, we go and look at the last of us and other uh, survival series that take place roughly around the same time. These spinoffs are, and they're way ahead of them. And it makes more sense that way. It's like, think of how far we progress here in 2023 compared to 2019,
1: 2020 with COVID. Yeah. But anyway, within Daryl Dixon, I liked the nunnery. I liked a lot of the characters there. I thought they were strong with one general exception for walking dead which has always been the case i don't know what cursed was laid on the show but they have the worst child actors <laughs> all the time <laughs> everybody hated Carl for good reason got, that poor kid couldn't act his way out of a wet sack the girl playing what's rick's daughter's name
2: but i also feel like they don't write the kids realistically No, they don't,
1: but they also don't get. It's a
2: little bit of both. It's like, it's just not, it's not working.
1: (laughs) No, and this little boy is the same thing. He makes no sense in a lot of ways. He was born after the outbreak.
2: Yeah. And yet he seems to have. Makes it a point to tell him about all this stuff that happened before, like you shouldn't know this, but he's like a Jesus figure.
1: (laughs) But he knows how to introduce himself and shake hands and speaks English as well as French.
2: Well, he was raised by nuns, to be fair. Yeah. Come <laughs> at. I mean,
1: just we've talked before about any kids who are actually born would be feral or damn near. <laughs> and I admit, or should be, you know, he does have the advantage of being there. But generally speaking, he would be different. He'd be a spooky little creep.
2: All of them will. I mean, th- ironically, yeah. Carl, as he got older, made more sense than when he was a little kid. But he was also a half apocalypse baby, half not. <laughs>
1: yeah he was at least so, remembered a little bit of the past but he was
2: more entitled and spoiled and more bratty because it's like i want video games what the hell is this <laughs> that's
1: right yeah <laughs> up until he died he still missed mourned his playstation
2: yeah he talks about it all the time yeah and it's just like uh shut up uh, really <laughs> that's what that's what you years
1: <laughs> you've had whole years where you had enough to eat and all you really care about is you don't have a Walkman. That
2: Man, works. I really wish I had video games. Yeah. Right
1: now. <laughs> so I just I know that a lot of this is hinging on Daryl's relationship both with the nun whose name I'm sorry to say you don't remember.
2: I don't remember either.
1: And with the boy Laurent, and I we're going to have a problem with Laurent because he's just not.
2: He's not committed. Committed to the cause either. He's not one of
1: those little kids you want to <laughs> hang with. I think the production design, as usual, is really good.
2: It's also set in Paris. It's filmed on site. So it's actually very visually appealing to watch. Mm
1: -hmm. It is gorgeous to watch. I really hate the golden child chosen one.
2: Especially after The Last of Us. Exactly. I feel like that was very cliche. It was a bad choice.
1: I mean, it was bad enough. It's been done a million times. Last of Us as a video game has been around 100 years now.
2: Yeah, so that was done first, obviously. But even
1: within this, it was already well into production and everybody knew what was going on with it when they decided to do Daryl Dixon. Why choose a golden child storyline for this thing? I mean, why not just stick with him over there following some lead that, for some damn reason, Europeans would know what happened to Rick Grimes?
2: Yeah, and there's really no reference to all of that. Like, we're assuming it's going to come up later, but we may never know.
1: Well, no, he did have one line where he said, I have a plan, everything I have to do. That
2: was it, (laughs)
1: But, what? He, what is it, yeah. Daryl? And he'd promised Rick's daughter and the others that he was going to go find out.
2: Yeah, there was like a little flashback. Well,
1: as you said, I fell in with some very bad people. I ended up on a boat. That didn't go well. Fair. <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, I'm you know drifting to shore.
2: It's all got to tie together somehow.
1: And I know part of this is obviously they're teasing us this, as things go on, but... Why they couldn't just stick with his initial I must find Rick deal. And even the secondary story about the owner of the ship that he mutinied coming after his ass.
2: Who's obviously going to be the villain.
1: Yeah, that would have been good enough. We really don't need the Chosen One storyline on top of that. Particularly when you only have six episodes and we're already one out
2: and how much you want to bet it's going to come to something like this kid has a natural immunity to it and the first reference to they all should have natural immunity to it because they were born during this
1: (laughs) true true and and if he is naturally immune how does this make him the savior of society what's he going to do father ten thousand kids (laughs) Come on!
2: <laughs> I mean, as, assuming anybody's alive to, to manufacture, process a vaccine from his blood, just like, again, with The Last of Us, they set out hoping that those guys were going to be there at that outpost where they were supposed to take her. And, and toward, as you keep watching, you come to find that maybe they aren't. <laughs> and that's just a big, like, giving you the finger, like, well, there may be a cure, but not anytime soon. Well,
1: and the other thing is that the idea that someone who's naturally immune is the key to a a vaccine. That's not true. None of the vaccines that we have for anything now, whether it's smallpox, none of those.
2: Come from a patient like that.
1: None of them came from a patient zero with a natural. There are, all of them have natural immunity. There are genetic strains that happen. But even now that we've mapped the genome, that's not where you go to get vaccines.
2: You're triggering a response. It's not an antidote.
1: So ultimately, how does that tie into him being the Messiah? Right. Which brings up the other interesting point here. There is an actual supernatural element in this for the first time.
2: Which hasn't, yeah, which hasn't been a thing. Mm
1: -mm, It's all
2: been realistic, quote unquote, until this point. It's been
1: a virus that's caused horrible things.
2: Everything's been scientific. Everything's been by the book. Everything's been real.
1: But this is almost matter-of-factly, almost, of course, there's a prophecy and he's fulfilling it.
2: He's, He's the coming of Christ or whatever he is. The only time you saw one other reference to, to religion or or religious belief still, you know, yes, we've had people who referenced it, the the rabbi in um, Fear the Walking Dead.
1: Oh, sure. No, it exists, but not no supernatural. Yeah, aspect.
2: there wasn't any like the biblical stories are coming true deals. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is not the end days as uh, predicted in Revelations or anything. But ultimately, you and I both watched the first episode of Dead City and thought, meh. Well, we'll watch the rest someday, but I'm not really into it. Here, at least, there are a number of interesting plot threads that actually make me want to watch the next episode next Sunday. Right. So I'm figuring let's watch the second one, talk about it less, but let's give a little quick, and we'll do a, a drop-in kind of after show that'll come out middle of next week, a couple of days after the episode airs. And if it's worth it, we'll keep following it for the whole six and see if there's that. Or we can stop at any point and just recap the whole damn thing when it's finished five weeks hence. Sounds good to me. And that does it for yet another staggering episode of Zombie World. You can check it all out and stuff that never even makes it to the podcast over at zombieworld.net. And even other stuff on the various social media we do on TikTok, Twitter, which we will not call X, uh, threads, and Instagram.
2: Listen, guys, we'd really like to hear what you have to say. So if you have anything to share with us or just have some feedback, drop us a note at brad at zombieworld.net or sam at zombieworld.net. Or you could just go to good old zombieworld.net and do it there.
1: And Instagram still seems to be the place to be. We're picking up new followers every day there, including... Horror and zombie aficionados like Angela Snyder 436, The Dreaming Insomniac. We've got to get to one of your watch parties, guys. And Horror in Real Life. Hey, Abby, lawyer turned horror filmmaker. we got to talk. And as always, links to their IG accounts are in the show notes.
2: That's it. So let us know what you think, including doing the whole like and rate review thing over there on iTunes. We know it's a cliche, but it really does make us more discoverable. For other on fans out there, and who are we to question the wisdom of Lord Apple, the great
1: and powerful? Anyway, we'll see you soon for the next installment of this odd but irresistible news and views on all things undead. Here from the endless and devastated landscape we call Zombie World. Until then, stay in touch, stay safe, and don't get bit. Please.